he single-handedly takes out a battalion of I don't, I don't know what a battalion is. I don't know why I used that word. Hey, this is David. And this is Alon, and welcome to I Finally Watched, where we talk about movies that at least one of us has never seen before. And today, I finally watched The Patriot. So I love this movie. Um, it came out in 2000. It's a uh, American Revolution, Revolutionary War epic. And I don't, I was trying to think back to remember if I saw this in theaters, and I can't really remember. Because at this point, this is 20 years ago. Um, but I do know that this is one of the first DVDs I had and that along with The Matrix and some other lesser known movies <laughs> that, I, that I wore this out constantly. Um, I think there's some iconic stuff in it. Watching it back again, you do notice, I guess, given today that there's some stuff that would have to be handled differently. They kind of sidestep slavery in this movie by just saying that the the people that work on his plantation are freed men. And so they, they make it in a way that you, they don't really have to deal with the issue. And I don't know that, that people would really accept that. What's funny is I was reading up on the reception at the time and the controversy wasn't anything to do with that, but to do with uh, how harshly the British were portrayed and how some of the scenes <laughs> never happened in real life. And I thought that was just comical that, that's what we cared about 20 years ago. But having, having just watched this for the first time, Alon, uh, what did you think of it? Well, um, no, I, I really liked it too. Uh, you know, it's kind of like the plot point, you were mention mentioning the slavery, but one of the, one of the, I guess the side stories is that one of the militia that is fighting um, alongside our protagonist is like um, a, a slave and he's basically fighting for his freedom. Um, and there's this like kind of this really cool, not like cool, cool, but it's an interesting relationship between him and one of the other white militia um, played by, I think you pronounce it Don, Donald Lau, Donald Laug. I always say Donald Logue. Donald um, Logue, yeah. Um, it's funny, too, because I know him from the TV show Gotham, uh, and he's really good in that. And so just seeing him in this and such a small part, I was just it was just kind of fun to recognize him. Uh, but th then this whole movie is full of, of characters that I'm like, oh, I've seen him before, or I've seen him before. You know, it's just... Uh, uh, kind of cool to look back on it now, but the relationship between the 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 slave and Donald's character, um, I it's kind of like one of the main you know um, side stories that kind of shows. I guess it was trying to show the progression of our main character, played by Mel Gibson, uh, is that he doesn't keep I guess quote unquote slaves. But you're right, it doesn't really address the issue of uh, slavery in 1776 during that time. Well, and I think it's just, it's kind of a, this movie is kind of a, a perfect example of the way that some older movies kind of handled issues not very delicately. Because even the Donald Logue's character, he doesn't accept the the slave as being part of the militia and he's very against him being in the militia. 
Oh yeah, and yeah. So, no, no, no. He's extremely racist. Yes. Okay, thank you. But he doesn't accept him until the slave uh, saves his life. Right. And which is like, all right, well, cool. I'm glad you grew up just because this guy saved your life. And it's kind of that's another one of those like weird plot devices that's like, I think they would have had to have handled those issues a lot differently if this movie came out uh, today. So anyways, it was just really cool to see a bunch of like characters that I, uh, I recognize in other things. Uh, and of course, you know, Mel Gibson and Heath Ledger, but Tom Wilkinson, Tom Wilkinson, but I, I just got to hand it to Jason Isaacs as the, uh, the antagonist just freaking blew me away. He, and this is something I wanted to get to later, but we can get to it now. For most of my movie watching life, uh, Jason Isaacs was the most evil character from this movie. I would have rated him number one forever. Um, and rewatching it, I think I have him back at number one. Um, <laughs> just because of the way he, the way he does things, the, the decisions he makes, the the disregard for life, um, the most evil character in a movie. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. I think you mentioned this like you're like get ready for the most evil character before I've seen this movie, and I was like, eh, whatever, okay, no. But I I I agree with you a hundred percent. Topping Michael Madsen in Reservoir Dogs, who had previously taken this mantle because i hadn't seen this movie in over a decade but jason isaacs congratulations you're back at number one well you know what's funny um is that he he plays such a good villain Um, i don't think i've ever seen him in something where he doesn't play some sort of bad guy uh of course i think you know we all recognize him as as lucius malfoy from harry potter um, where he's just kind of like you know an, an ass um, through the through the whole thing, but he's he doesn't like he's not our main character in Harry Potter. He's not Harry Potter's like main uh, antagonist, but more recently in the OA, which is I don't know if you know it's a show on Netflix. He plays uh, the bad guy for that show too. And I guess it's just because he's older and I, you know, we're used to kind of seeing him with like lighter hair and he dyes his hair for this, I guess. But uh, I, I was like, he was unrecognizable to me. And then when I realized it was him, and then when I realized it was him in this film, I was like, damn, he's just like, he's just a great villain. Um, which I heard that if you, if, to be a great villain on film, you have to be like the nicest guy in real life. So I, I imagine he's like a sweetheart, but damn, do you just like hate him when you see his face? Um, he's even in a Peter Pan adaptation played Captain Hook. So he definitely has a lane that he is, he is great at. And also to his credit, um, I'm kind of glad he shot Thomas. Um, Cause I thought he was really making the movie drag. So, and that's to me when the movie really gets good. Um, yeah. Not because Thomas dies, but 
the the setup takes about this is a two hour 45 minute movie so the setup to the movie takes about 35 minutes and it's a lot of developing um who mel gibson is explaining that he doesn't want to fight anymore that he has this history in the french and indian war that you doesn't talk about and he doesn't want his sons and daughters to know about and then the most evil character in the history of movies murders his son and that is when the action starts and the one of the most iconic scenes to me from this movie is the scene right after that and you and i talked about this when you had watched that scene yeah i basically had to call you like right away after i finished that scene and i was like is this the best like action scene I've ever seen, possibly, yes. Um, just because it's, it's him running through a burning house to get his tools of war to go and rescue his son and get some vengeance on these British soldiers. And the way he and his two, I mean, those boys probably are what, like nine and 12. And yeah. so they're, they, they help a little bit, but he single-handedly takes out a battalion of, I don't know what a battalion is. I don't know why I use that word. <laughs> a group of British soldiers. Yeah. Uh, there's like 20 of them. And the way he does it and the brutality of it towards the end when he gets into the hand in hand with um, with his, his little axe is, it's so amazing to watch. Yeah, the way he just like throws it, throws his axe with like such accuracy and speed. But I, I, I was paying attention to how he set up the whole ambush on how he like he had two rifles loaded on um like 20 feet away from each other so he shot one ran to the other and then shot that one reloaded it and then ran back and i was like it kind of makes it seem like from the from the soldier's perspective like there's at least i mean i guess including his sons but he made three people seem like five or six like the way he just kind of maneuvered that and the way it was shot was like you as the audience were like okay with it because you knew it was the protagonist but if you were just like as in the dark as the soldiers kind of like scared shitless right which is what sets off kind of the the theme through the rest of it for the the british soldiers and uh colonel tavington that um, this is a, a ghost doing this. Um, <clears throat> there's a, a scene right after this where one of the British soldiers escapes and tells them that one man did it. And, um, and the, the, aura, the aura created around Mel Gibson's character is, is so cool through the rest of the movie because he, he kind of goes right back into this role of, of someone who's not necessarily fighting for the cause because he doesn't believe in it. He still doesn't believe in it, but, but, fighting for vengeance, which is always a good role to, to see him in. Right. Um, I, I think we'll talk about like the, the overarching theme of the movie later, but just to give like a little hint and it's mentioned in the very, I think it's the very, very first line in the movie, but his, he says his sins will eventually find him. will eventually catch up to him. And I think that has like a sense of like pride like pride, it definitely plays a huge part in this movie, um, especially towards like people's downfall. Um, so I guess what I mean by that is like, I felt like Jason Isaac's character, 
his whole motivation into making Mel Gibson's life a literal living hell was his pride was hurt when like he kind of uh, embarrassed him in front of his uh, captain, I guess, or Colonel or, you know, whatever his higher rank was. Um, Wallace. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Did you know who Cornwallis was before this movie or. Well, was he, I knew, I knew who Cornwallis was, but I don't know his, he's a general, I guess. I mean, I don't, it doesn't matter. They lost, but yeah, I think he's <laughs> some sort of general. I didn't know your rank didn't matter if you lost the war, David. Well, winners write the history. So, <laughs> and what's interesting about you speak of pride, because one thing I really love about this movie is there are so many, for lack of a better term, badass quotes. Mm-hmm. And one of them is when, um, after Mel Gibson gets a hold of Cornwallis's writings and journals and other stuff, he, um, he talks about how, uh, you know, that their key to beating him is Cornwallis's pride. And I think one of the soldiers, it might've been the French one, says, I would prefer stupidity. And Mel Gibson just says, pride will do. Yeah. And just the, the, the way he said it is, it's just yeah. awesome. I can't think of a more, a better way to say it. it was just awesome. Well, now that you mentioned like the way Mel Gibson says stuff and like the lines in this movie, I, I have to say there's there is a lot of great moments, uh, lines, action, you know, et cetera. But there is some moments uh, in this movie that dates it. I would say like, okay, this is definitely like a late nineties, early 2000 movie. Uh, one of those is the way over usage of slow-mo. I mean, like I get it at some points, like when he shot Thomas and Mel Gibson, like, like running slow motion to try to stop that. Um, but there's just so many slow motion moments in the movie that at times it shows people uh, dying and getting shot and falling to the ground in slow motion. And it's like, okay, you're supposed to be taking it serious, but the faces that people make as they like fall to the ground is just like, I'm like, it's comedic. I know they're not trying to be comedic, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. Well, and there's, I mean, besides that, the other thing that you kind of have to get over when you rewatch this movie or watch it for the first time is the hair, mm. just the hairstyles, because um, seeing them all with just weird long ponytails is uh, is something that just looks odd when you know these characters. Well, because most of those, I would have to say, are wigs, if not all of them are wigs. Right. Um, I mean, they're not bad, but, you know, okay, so this kind of... Uh, triggered uh, what you said triggered this uh, thought I had towards the whole movie is that in like a easy way to establish who are the good guys and who are the bad guys is that the British were wearing, you know, the red coats and then um, the Americans were wearing like a mix of like blue and red and white uh, uniforms. But another thing was accents. And it was just really hard for me to believe that like Mel Gibson has such a strong American accent um, and, and most of the actors in this movie do. But I'm just thinking like, where did the American accent come from as far as like, if they used to be British, um, did the accents just fade that quickly or was that just something that the filmmakers didn't want to pay much attention to? Well, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know enough about how quickly the american accent developed i think 
at that time, there would obviously be a mix of people that had, you know, been born there. Um, and there's a mix of people that were still coming over. Um, and so that would also relate to their, their loyalty to Britain or not. Um, but the, the accent thing is not something like authenticity with accents is not something that I think was worried about that much, especially in like blockbuster movies in the early 2000s, late nineties. Obviously. And so maybe they got it completely right and maybe they didn't. And I don't care because this movie is badass. <laughs> the, the, one, the one really cool thing I noticed about the beginning and the cinematographer was nominated for this and then won some other awards for that and so well-deserved because some of the shots like in the, like during the battlefields and then those battlefields happening like in Mel Gibson's front yards near other houses um the the thing that kept like hitting me in the face was just the idea of war happening all around you and it's like something as americans that we have no idea of anymore but just like being taken back and it was done so well and so beautifully like to see just watching people die in front of you like your friends and maybe family and like these people that are the people that are killing them are, are your countrymen too. And you're trying to not be their countrymen anymore, but just all those ideas swirling around, like it living in that time would have just been madness to me. I guess if I had, if I were transported back then, if I was born, then it probably would be just normal. Yeah, no, but yeah, you're right. We're not used to having the battlefield literally in our backyard and they definitely did. And they allude to like kind of, uh, I think one of the great lines in the movie, Mel Gibson says, you know, this isn't done on some far away battlefield. This is done right here. And um, it was, what's so strange is how they battled. And I knew this kind of like growing up and learning about the American Revolution, the war in school, but they do it in such a stupid way. Like they know they're going to die. And just kind of like, I guess it's more honorable, but you have the scene where, where Mel Gibson and his son, Heath Ledger, are viewing um, kind of like a, a small back and forth out of a window. And the way they just line up and like, it takes like a whole 45 seconds to cock their gun and then kill everyone in the front line and then everyone on the other side they're ready to shoot, kills everyone on their front line. And I'm like, okay, I hope what the movie does, and it kind of does do this, is that from their perspective, they see how stupid that is. And then they kind of like, oh, if we're more like unorganized and we kind of like try to um, get around them, we'd have the upper hand. And I guess that's like the whole idea of why he formed this like, like special militia group. Yeah. And so uh, one of my favorite quotes comes from that. And it's not a great quote, but uh, just melt with the way Mo Gibson says the battle was over before it began because he realizes how stupid the plan of attack is. Um, and he even talks about how like the general who's, who's leading this is just doesn't know what he's like, calls him an idiot. And um, 
that actually reminds me a little bit. There's a scene in uh, 13 Days, the Kevin Costner Cuban Missile Crisis movie, where they talk about how like each subsequent war, if you don't realize, if you think the war is going to be the same as the previous one we fought, you're, so many men are going to die. And that had to do with World War One between World War Two. But what's interesting, and I was looking this up a little bit, because obviously Benjamin Martin, who is the, the character Mel Gibson plays, is fictitious, but he is based on a composite of four different American revolutionaries. And one of them, and I don't remember the name of this guy, is considered kind of the, the father of like modern or the inventor of guerrilla warfare. And that was kind of the whole point of what Mel Gibson was doing is saying, you can't line up in front of them. They're more powerful than us. They have better weaponry. They're more trained. We have to attack them differently, which is also kind of like some themes in, in the musical Hamilton too, for a couple of the songs. And so uh, that's just so interesting to me, like seeing the tactics of war and how horribly it was fought apparently for so many years prior yeah. to this. Well, you know, one of the, uh, the, um, what's his name? Cornwallis, right? He mentions that they're not fighting honorably, right? Like gentlemen, where he's like, Hey, I heard about your militia and you guys are kind of being assholes. And uh, this feels like drunk history, but um, yeah. So he's like, you guys are kind of being assholes and uh, we just want you to stop, please. And he's, and Mel Gibson's like, okay, well, sure. We are kind of like trying to catch you by the element of surprise, I guess. But, you know, you guys are out there killing civilians and innocent people, which is like something you said you wouldn't do. And, you know, referring to what happened to his family and Jason Isaac's character, who I can't remember his character's name. Do you know Jason Isaac's name? I was going to interrupt you with it. It's Tavington. Tavington. Okay. That sounds like an asshole British name. And Cornwallis even tells Tavington before that, like, hey, there's no honor in what you're doing. Um, I'm getting this huge amount of land because I am not only winning, but I'm doing it the right way and you're not doing it the right way. And this, like Tavington is just a huge pain in Cornwallis's ass this entire time because he's like, he's hurting their, their, their war efforts. I mean, in this fictitious American revolution of the Patriot had Tavington never killed uh, Mel Gibson's son, like, we might still be speaking with a British accent. So like, (laughs) right, right. Well, I mean, that's where kind of the pride comes into play where, you know, especially with now there are definitely like funny moments in this film. Um, I'm referring to mainly where Mel Gibson lies to Cornwallis and he's like, Hey, uh, we have like 18 of your men on a Hill. If you like look through this telescope and, um, they're like, oh, well, we better release the 18 prisoners we have from you. And so they do. And it turns out to be a bunch of scarecrows that they had dressed up in, in red coats. And uh, you are doing drug history now. Yeah, exactly. Hey, dude, I have your soldiers. <laughs> hey, dude, I have your soldiers. Oh, we want them back. Um, no, but then, you know, it's just like a little comedic parts here and there, like uh, with the Great Danes that they stole from that caravan. And then Mel Gibson... Well, when his friend says, oh, we should, uh, we should 
burn the books, eat the dogs. And the reverend's like, eat the dogs? And Mel Gibson, the way he just says, oh, dog is a very fine meal. And <laughs> the reverend gets all in a huff. What, what I do love about the scene you talked about a second ago is Mel, when uh, Tavington tries to provoke Mel Gibson, uh, Benjamin Martin, into attacking him because he doesn't want these prisoners released and he doesn't want um, Benjamin Martin to get away. And he says, uh, you know, your, your son basically died like a bitch. Um, <laughs> it's, it's actually similar to Gladiator when, uh, when Joaquin Phoenix's character tries to provoke um, Maximus. But when he tries to provoke him and Mel Gibson comes up, I just, I love the line of, before this war is over, I'm going to kill you. It's not, I'm going to have my revenge. It's not, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to murder you. Mm-hmm. Just plain and simple, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And that, that does play out in the end, too, with kind of the themes we talked about, which we'll get into a little bit now. But that Mel Gibson was never a real believer in the war effort. Um, and his main goal was to kill Tavington. But Heath Ledger's goal was the American Revolution, was to get freedom from the British. And so in the end, after, um, spoiler alert, Heath Ledger is, is killed, um, and Mel Gibson finds the, the sewn-up American flag, you know, you have this moment where the, the line, in the clima- final climactic battle, the lines are getting pushed back, and Mel Gibson has a choice whether to kill Tavington or help win this battle that could turn the war. And that's kind of the, the development of his character to do what his son would have wanted rather than the, the immediate satisfaction of killing this guy. And then in the end, he gets both, which is great. But I do love that development from him. Yeah. Um, let's, let's take a step back and talk about Heath Ledger's character for a second. Um, so he's, he's his oldest son, who believes in the war effort. He really, really wants to go to war. Um, even, you know, his father is against it. Um, but he ends up going to war anyways. And um, for me, not knowing much about this movie and not having it spoiled for me, when he dies, I... So the the lead up to it is he falls in love with a girl, but then Tavington being the raging ass that he is, burns her and her entire village alive in a church that and was honestly that is why he's the most evil character and that was one of the like most impactful like scenes in a movie for me as like a teenager no i believe it but you know you were saying that um when this movie first came out one of the big like critiques of this movie was how the british were portrayed but if you look at like the other soldiers and their hesitancy towards these like really, really brutal acts and almost that they were forced because Tavington was their superior. There's a lot of like, I guess, regret that you can see from their acting. Like, yeah, they were all for this, but now when they have to like face to the reality of doing it, a lot of them, um, regret it yeah you can see that through action well what you're talking about is captain wilkins who you said was the fifth baldwin brother <laughs> his last name I, is baldwin <laughs> but what i do love and like this starts from the beginning of the movie the the 
one of the main themes of this movie is, you know, the father being sort of ashamed of his past, but the son wanting to follow in his father's footsteps, not the footsteps of his father now being a farmer and raising a family, but the footsteps of the war hero, the people that, the person who walks into a bar and everyone buys him a beer and says that, you know, that guy. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is the development that these, this father and son sort of cross paths through the movie where in the end, the son, Heath Ledger tells us, tells Mel Gibson, I now understand what you meant when you said, once I have a family, I'll think differently. And yeah. then, you know, you have the wedding scene. Um, one of the, <laughs> a couple of my friends really love this movie. And one line that we always quote to each other when we're making fun of each other, someone will just say, I'm not a child. <laughs> and then the other person will just scream, you're my child. <laughs> and that one will, will last for forever. But I, that leads up to Heath Ledger's death and one of the greatest action sequences in movie history. And I mean... Oh, yeah. I know, I know what you're getting to. When the Reverend helps Heath Ledger fight off the, the B-level boss. Right. <laughs> and then turns around and is shot by Tavington. Yeah. Only to, in the throes of death, toss up the gun and Heath Ledger just walk up in the most badass way possible and catch it and turn and fire. Um, perfection. Yeah. In one scene, in, in one clip. <laughs> Amazing. I'm really surprised. I, I haven't seen that just like clipped in like other places, like on YouTube or, or whatever. Cause when it was happening and it was like, I said it was happening in slow-mo um, when it was happening in my head, I was like, oh no, wait, he's not. What? Like, it's just like, it was a, it was, it was a momentum of epicness. Um, and then of course, <laughs> Jason Isaacs just pretends to be dead and then turns and, and just fillets Heath Ledger. Well, and I think the point of that is, and they, this is like kind of a trope of, of older movies, the, the, a main character making a wrong decision and it immediately backfiring on them. And, and my, my saying this is, he stands over Tavington for a while and decides like, should I just kill him? Or you know, is this against my principles? Should I feed into the revenge I want? Which everyone would. And had he just backed off, you know, Tavington doesn't have a gun to get him. Um, he may not have died, but he feeds into that revenge and mm -hmm. it, you know, the outcome is what it is. You know, I was, um, <laughs> I started this movie very late at night. So I got only about 40 minutes into it the first day. And the next day I'm, I'm sitting with, um, my dad and I'm explaining to him that you know I'm watching The Patriot a movie that he really likes and he's like oh that's a really good movie and I was like yeah the beginning is really sad but I'm I'm hoping it I'm hoping it ends up better and he just kind of looks at me and he just kind of like nods and trails off and I'm like yeah just don't don't tell me how it ends because I still haven't finished it and he's like yep 
And, and this movie does not get better. It does not get happier. And it just continuously gets sadder and sadder to the point where I lost hope just watching this movie. Um, mainly because of the burning of the church scene and, and the loss that Heath Ledger has in his new wife. Um, and I think that loss is magnified because the movie did such a great job building their relationship. Like I, one of the, like the most kind of like romantic cutest scenes is like the ink in the tea. I love that. Yeah. And what, what I think this movie does and like a lot of movies kind of fall a little bit into this trap and I, I was fine with it here, but if they, they kill off Anne so that later on with, when Heath dies, it, you're somewhat softened by the, well, at least they didn't have to live without each other. You know, like this couple that just were, was married, at least they, they don't have to go in an entire lifetime with like having that person killed. But uh, another debt, which is just as hard to me, you don't really see it, is um, John Billings, which is like the, the kind of the older guy with white hair. That's like, Oh, yeah, yeah. I know, I know who you're talking about with his kid. Yeah, his his wife and son who they he just find murders and then he just immediately kills himself. But that was hard. that was probably one of the that that hit me harder than like Heath Ledger's death. But but there's also some really emotional moments too. Um, wh- one which is like you could see coming from the beginning, not emotional, but the the fact that Mel Gibson and the the aunt eventually kiss and yeah. like are like all right, we're you and I are going to happen eventually once this war is over. And then when his, his daughter, Susan finally, um, finally like speaks to him and just runs to him, starts crying. I'll do whatever, Papa, I'll, I'll do whatever. Just please don't, please don't go. That's like gut wrenching in like such a sweet way. And I think the only death you really wouldn't want, have wanted to happen is, is Gibson because of, of like his promise to come back and it's actually really sad the the little girl um she died at like 21 years old just in 2014 so oh jeez. sorry to bring the mood down but she was actually Damn. really amazing in this movie like as a kid actor yeah um, actually a lot of the kid actors are uh like recognizable to um i'm gonna i'm gonna say this poorly but i recognize them on how you know, like how young they were in this movie, I recognize them from seeing them older. You know what I'm saying? I guess. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> so like I recognize Thomas because he was on a show I used to really like uh, called Everwood, and then the the brother that was just below him in age, I recognize him from something, and I tried to figure it out on IMDb and I couldn't, but I still recognize his face. Maybe it's just. What about the older the older sister? She's someone I know. I know she is. I've I've recognized I recognized her too. Um, uh, but uh, she is in Blue Crush and Along Came a Spider, and I don't know. Yeah, she's. I mean, yeah, she, I I recognize her as an actress. Uh, Dawson's Creek. I've never seen Dawson's Creek. I've always wanted to go back and watch The Creek. Anyway. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, Mel Gibson is our main character. And, and when Heath Ledger 
um, seemingly kills Tavington. You know, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, yeah, I, I guess that's okay because he killed his brother and his wife and this is like the ultimate revenge. And then I saw that there's 40 minutes left of the movie and I was like, oh, wait, no, Heath, don't go too close to the body. And then it happened. But, um, but yeah, that I, I want to kind of just talk about the, uh, the ending because I think that's really all we have left to talk about. Um, the, the, I guess the final battle between Tavington and um, uh, Benjamin. Yeah, and one thing I do want to bring up, and he's in the final battle too, is the the French guy. Yep. Like he's probably one of my favorite characters in the movie outside of Mel Gibson, um, just because I think he brings a lot of a lot of comedy, but a lot of like emotion too. Uh, especially when they talk about, oh, we can't kill British soldiers; we have to give them quarter. And he's like, uh, you know, he harkens back to the French Indian War. He's like, were you giving my people quarter back then? And you know, what about my wife and children? And so, um, yeah, because, because if, if I remember correctly, the, the famous battle that Mel Gibson's, uh, character was famous for was against the French, right? It was in the French and Indian War. So I believe it was against the, it was against the French and, um, a Native American tribe. And the, the scene where he finally tells, uh, Heath Ledger, like what happened and what he did is, is really cool for one, just it's, such a crazy story but to the like just the heart-to-heart moment of him finally like coming clean to his son and you know they're they're not only father and son at this point but they're like they're war buddies you know what i mean like which is like almost as close a relationship as you can have with someone outside of family so i thought that scene was really cool that we've we've already dove into the ending a little bit but i it, it sort of brings one thing I love about this movie is the ending sort of brings all these things together. Like I said before, it's, it's the choice for Benjamin Martin between revenge and, you know, his son's legacy of wanting to, to win the revolutionary war, the pride that you and I were talking about earlier and how this, this pivotal battle was lost because of Cornwallis's pride. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just a really badass final fight between Tavington and Mel Gibson. Yeah. Um, just at the very end of that fight where Mel Gibson's like on his knees and he's just looking out onto the battlefield as soldiers are running past him with the American flag. It's just this kind of like, it's, it wasn't as cool as like when the Reverend threw up the gun and Heath Ledger caught it. But they were trying. They were trying to make Mel Gibson have have a couple cool moves in this movie. But it, one was definitely where he just like slow motion dodged uh, Tavington's um, bayonet, and just yeah, I just and then super- stabbed him, and just, then and he's already gonna die. But he's like, <laughs> I'm gonna stab you in the throat too. As he's like watching him, like they're eye to eyes, like I just really want you to know I did this, you son of a bitch. I think we have come a little bit to the ending, but there are a couple things we missed that I want to talk about. One, Mel Gibson's hideout, super badass. His just hideout. Like on you know, when they were in the like they were surrounded by the creek and there was oh. like the crosses in the water, and they had to either boat in or take horses. 
Yeah, it was like this like like uh, rubble of what's left of like a church or something. Right, right. That was like just the the set design on that. I think was really cool. I mean, it was probably just a location they found and they added stuff to it. But well, more on the set design is that you see like um, the the colonial towns, but then you see these like massive ships or like you know uh, in the background or or whatnot and back then it's probably a little less obvious but now you know like it's just like a flat background but the way they shot it and lit it it was like it was like uh, a huge dimensional thing yeah the (laughs) you can tell there's some obvious like cgi work and i thought there's only a couple shots with the ship when they first went to charlestown that were like really bad but overall like i thought it was it was decent yeah, and and then the final thing I wanted to mention because I've talked about how like there's some pretty awesome quotes in this movie, but I think the Reverend had the best when they asked when he like you know started saddling up to go to war, and they're like Reverend, he's like you know Reverends must tend to their flock and at times even fight off the wolves, and I was like that's like the writer when he put that on the page was like oh this is the shit <laughs> this is, is going to get them yeah I I agree um, yeah just man. Um, and then, of course, at the very, very end, uh, Cornwallis uh, gives up by flying the white flag. And he goes off with uh, his sister-in-law. Um, yeah, and I mean, he, you know, he, he has that and he has the remaining, you know, what, five of his children. Just trying to find some silver lining in the whole, in the end of this movie. Well, I think... In today, like today, living in America, the our view on death is, I think, so much different because, like, we don't have war in our backyard, and like the idea of just your friend dying in a battle, especially with the the revolution going on that long, I th- I think you you had to be willing to move on more quickly. I mean, obviously, like people like John Billings who saw his young son and, and wife dead didn't feel that way. But I think the, the, the people in that era, you, you know, from disease or whatever could die in a blink of an eye. And so I think people's view on death at that time is just so much different than ours. And I think it, you, they just had to go on. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. It yeah, wasn't yeah. an option. No, I, I know I know what you're talking about. Well, there there's so many like little moments that I, I we you know we could just sit here for another hour and talk about. Um but I I highly suggest um people to to see this movie, to watch this movie. Um it's on Hulu, it's on Netflix, it's I loved it. I know you loved it, but I, I loved it. Um, and I will need a break from it just because it is like two hours and 45 minutes long and it is very sad and emotional. Um, but I, I'd watch it again. Yeah. Uh, I mean, one takeaway I had from watching this uh, for purposes of the podcast was why have I not seen this in so long? But, but you're right. There is, you don't see a lot of like 
gory detail. I mean, you do in some of the battles, but the the emotion of the way they show like the people that are lost and the the way that families are 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 wiped out is is very as i said before impactful so um this is a great movie and i will obviously watch it again sometime in the near future hey well thanks for listening to another episode of i finally watched where i finally watched the patriot listen to our next episode where i finally watch chasing amy i'm milan and i'm david bye